Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. According to the police officer I spoke to, they went through a list of questions in order to ascertain whether or not she was safe and determined that she was okay to be on her own on the streets of Victoria, barefoot in November, and they left her there. That was the last time anyone ever saw her. You are listening to Emma Filipoff is Missing, a series by The Nighttime Podcast. When Emma Filipoff disappeared from a busy downtown Victoria, B.C. intersection in November of 2012, the effects were felt far and wide. For Emma's loved ones, on top of the heartbreak and the panic, they were left with the task of connecting the pieces left behind in hopes that they may lead to Emma, or at least to an answer. As we heard in the prior episodes, several promising leads appeared and kept those searching for Emma busy. There was the green shirt guy in Vancouver, the mysterious reappearance of Emma's prepaid credit card, and of course, the countless reports of possible sightings. But amongst all that, there was one lead in particular that presented a uniquely uncomfortable situation. The lead came in the form of an unread Facebook message that was sent to Emma's father in the months prior to her disappearance. The message was from a young man named Julian, who was a one-time acquaintance of Emma. In the message, Julian asked Emma's father for help getting in touch with Emma and included an apology for stalking her. As you can imagine, when someone says they've been stalking a now-missing young woman, people take notice. But this appeared even more problematic than that. As you heard discussed in the prior episodes, Julian didn't only state he had stalked Emma. He'd since joined the search team and had been working closely with Shelley. And beyond that, he'd moved from Emma's hometown of Perth to Victoria shortly after she did, and he didn't seem to have a very good reason why. Now, Julian's role in Emma's story could simply be an unfortunate coincidence that looks terrible. But many people have doubts about coincidences when they relate to missing, attractive young women. Anyone who's been following Emma's unfolding story should be well aware of tonight's guest. So if you could just tell me who you are and and what ties you so closely to the disappearance of Emma Filipov. I'm Julian and I was a student in Perth for two years. Uh, During my first summer there, I met uh, Emma and we became friends. Uh, She then left uh, Perth and I was without news for just over a year until I saw her again in Victoria. Following her disappearance, I was involved in the search, and later on I became a suspect. I was portrayed on the fifth estate as a, well, a potential person of interest in the investigation. Ever since I've been, well, in the aftermath of the episode, and people uh, wondering exactly what my role in this whole story was. Before we get to Julian, let me quickly tell you how this came about. 
As I was preparing the second episode in this series, I had contacted Julian and invited him to tell me about his time with Emma and to discuss the factors that have led so many to considering him a suspect in her disappearance. After connecting with him and explaining that I had no strong opinions or no proverbial axe to grind, he agreed to share his version of the events with me. I'm sure many people listening will be surprised to hear Julian speaking here, as his connection to this story has quite literally forced him into isolation. But Julian's reasons for speaking out are quite clear. His belief is that those who suspect him do so on, at best, incomplete and at worst, misleading information that was provided by the Fifth Estate documentary, Finding Emma. And now, it's Julian's time to clear the air. Tonight, in this episode of the Nighttime series, Emma Filipoff is Missing, we're going to be joined by Julian. First thing I'd, I'd like to ask, Julian, if you could tell me about how and when you first met Emma. I first met Emma in July of 2011 in, uh, in Perth, Ontario. There was a, uh, a music festival going on that weekend. I saw her right away when I entered the site. She was in the booth of a photographer. For some reason, even from a distance, she caught my eye. So I walked into the booth. And while I wouldn't say that I pretended to be interested by the photographer's work, because it was actually very good work and quite interesting, but I mostly went in to to see who this person was. So we talked for a bit uh, with the photographer uh, to each other, at some point, I asked the uh, the photographer if it would be if it would be all right to uh, ride my bike to his studio outside of town uh, outside of town at some point to to see more of his work. And uh, she was kind of uh, listening and showing interest. And uh, soon after, we left the booth. But then, uh, not very long after that, she came to me asking me a question about whether or not I was going to the uh, indoor concert that night and uh, and then I asked her if she would be interested in uh, uh, visiting this photographer by bike someday and and she said oh yeah I would be uh, I would be interested I was actually thinking about asking you the same thing uh, and then she wanted to go the next day uh, which became kind of a, a rabbit over the next few weeks she always wanted to do something the next day but I, I had to tell her that the, the photographer would still be in his booth in the park until Sunday. So our visit to his place would have to wait until uh, the week later. But anyway, so we, uh, we in, in the end, instead of going on a bike ride, we ended up uh, canoeing. So I met her on a Friday night at that concert, and then we went canoeing the next day. Anyway, it was a great weekend, but then she got an eye infection that night, and I didn't really see her for another week after that while she uh, she was getting better at home with a patch. Yeah, so uh, we spent a fair amount of time together that weekend, and we kind of we kind of realized right away that we had a few things in in common, and we kind of felt like we, I guess, knew each other more than we than we actually did. I I understand from there you had uh, I believe about a, a month together in in Perth where you, where you hung out a, a occasionally or was it longer than a month? Yeah, no, I would say that's about a month. Uh, in in total, including Victoria, I don't think I saw Emma more than fifteen times. Mainly, we walked. Mostly, we walked at night. Typically, she would be uh, mostly barefoot, 
not always, uh, and she would be carrying her little ukulele. And we would walk all night, her carrying the ukulele, playing the same chord over and over. I, I, I think she only knew one. And chatting about different things, about her trips, about her, her t little bit of time in China, having lived in Nova Scotia for a while while her sister was studying there. Yeah, so she would tell me different stories like that, but she was never asking uh, personal questions. She was not, she just liked to be around people for who they were, uh, who they are, not with, without uh, spending much time trying to, to learn their, their history. She, for some reason, she either didn't want to or didn't have the ability, if I can say, to to plan a week or two ahead of time. I don't know what it was, but it certainly was interesting to always wanting to do something the next day, which was kind of nice for me because, well, I was more than happy to do something the next day, but at the same time, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of an interesting way. I never met anybody like that. Now, there's there's been lots of talk and speculation about how your relationship with Emma ended back in, in Perth. Can, can you talk me through how things were resolved between you both, in, again, in Perth? Yeah, uh, while well, listening to your uh, listening to your podcast uh, the other day, I um, well, there was a discussion how uh, about what we, our relationship was about, or maybe that the relationship was was just in my mind. And those are things that I've discussed with police and family members before. Uh, I, I, well, there was no relationship beyond beyond friendship. I mean, I never, I never really liked being called an acquaintance because I think that there was more to to us than than that. Even though I'm not even quite sure what the actual definition of of an acquaintance is, but I I think it would be fair to call us friends. I never really knew what what Hema was uh, thinking of me, so we certainly were not in any kind of relationship, but. But she took me to her home, uh, or about she took me to her mother's home outside of Perth. I met her brother. I met uh, her younger brother. I met. Uh, well, we went for hikes in the woods, and we brought we brought her dog. I think calling us friends is 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 only fair. Uh, most of the time, we would just like I said, we would just walk and talk. But then uh, one night, uh, one night was. Must have been late again. Always was. Was pitch dark. Uh, we just sat on the bench on a near the tracks, and she uh, she tucked her nose in my in my neck, and I, uh, I I couldn't help it, so I I kissed her, and it and it kind of went on for kind of went on for a while. Eventually, we we got up and walked a little bit more, and she she took my hand, and well, I I was kind of surprised how the night had. That turned out anyway. We we went back to our to our own places, and uh, I didn't see her the next day. And then the uh, the day after that, I called, and uh, or she called. I don't remember that part, but uh, to say that we probably got a little carried away the other night that she liked me, but that since she was not gonna stay in town. For, for very long, she didn't want to get attached to me or, or anyone, and that it would be better if we stopped seeing each other. Before hanging up, she said, I, I prefer if you don't call again. 
or something like that. But then I was uh, all night. I was working night shifts on Fridays, and I, I couldn't imagine how I would spend the night just running this around in my head. So I, I called again. Uh, I called her, and then her father said, uh, well, Emma just told you she didn't want you to call. So I said, well, please, just one last time. I just want to have her give me a few more explanations. And uh, she did take the phone. She she was kind of uh, not rude, but uh, kind of cold at first, saying, well, I think I answered all the questions. But then she kind of uh, softened a little bit, and we, we talked for maybe 10, 15 minutes. When we hung up, I was feeling I was feeling much better, even though uh, it was still the same thing. It would be better off not to see each other again. And uh, but at least it seems like the the second phone call sounded better than than the one before. And that was the very last time that I called her parents uh, or her father's house. Uh, well, I, I thought that was the last time that I was talking to her. But then the next morning. The phone rang, and that's Emma who says, "Well, I don't like how I dealt with things uh, last night. Could I? Uh, would you mind if I stopped by your place?" So she, uh, so she did stop by uh, at the house where I was staying, and we and we talked on the porch for maybe half an hour. Well, that was that was really nice. Once again, it was still the same story. Better if we we stopped seeing each other, but at least it was done face to face, and we uh, we hugged and we said how nice it was. To have known each other and uh, kind of wish each other's good luck, and that was it. But then there's no way to know what she was thinking because the next night I'm I'm in the living room reading a book, and suddenly someone knocks on the door, and the lady uh, I was living with goes to answer and says, "Well, uh, Julian, Emma's here for you. She's standing on the at the door with her ukulele, and she wants to go for a walk." And it's like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I mean, Emma wants to go for a walk. You put your shoes on and you go. You, you, I, I, I was, I was, ha- I was so confused. But at the same time, I was, I was happy to see her again. And uh, so we went for for that walk, and I was more confused than ever, and I didn't know what to talk about. And at some point, I said something that kind of insulted her or that she didn't like. I just couldn't keep the silence and for some reason I asked her about about her pants and why she never why she never wore shorts or skirts or or why she always wore long pants even though it was it had been a very hot summer and and anyway depending on my choice of word it uh, she didn't like the question it was not a question that I should have asked there must have been a reason why she was always wearing the same the same clothes she was not your average Women who is wearing something different every day, and uh, well, basically, she felt more comfortable the way she dressed, and that was not of my business. But for for some reason, I I asked the question, and she was not well. She was not impressed, so she became really really cold after that. And we walked a little bit more, but then she said, "I'd rather finish uh, my walk alone if you don't mind." And that was kind of annoying because. Uh, the more the morning before I kind of liked how we we uh we handed things up and and that night then I felt like well this might be it but I didn't feel too good about how uh it all ended so uh and I was ga- I was heading home to Gaspé for two weeks the next day so I wrote a I wrote a little card and I dropped it off at the uh, at the coffee shop where she used to work and she had 
a couple of friends working there. I was just I just wanted to say, well, sorry for being so awkward and for asking uh, something that I really should not have asked. And yeah, so I went home. I went home for two weeks and uh, not really knowing if I would see her again. But for some reason, I I was almost I was kind of looking forward to even though I enjoyed my time back home, I was kind of looking forward to go to go back to Perth. And uh, but then I went back to Perth and I didn't see her for for maybe a week or, or so. And uh, and that's when the coincidences kind of started. Uh, one night, someone drives me home. And um, I was working on a farm for the for the summer, and uh, he drives me home after uh, at the end of the day. And just in front, just at the top of the hill, I see a girl, a woman walking barefoot, but wearing jeans. And I'm thinking, well, that looks like Emma, but except for the jeans. So I get home and and jump on my bike and I think well I'm, I'm, I'll go see who, who that is but before I could make it to the top of the hill Emma came out around the corner walking out of, of the street where she lived but uh, but it was kind of weird how it happened where I just see this other person who reminds me of her and then uh, she shows up I asked her if it was okay to, to walk with her and she was not too, too keen she hadn't liked the fact that I had bought her to dropped the card for a friend to give to her. Uh, she said that I was not patient enough or something like that, that maybe we were not as as similar than we, maybe we didn't have as much in common as she, as she first thought. But I kind of, I kind of insisted to walk with her just to explain myself. So we walked, we walked for a little bit and she started to listening and talk and things were, were looking better. And, uh, and even though I wanted to to keep walking with her, at some point I said, "Do you want to finish your walk alone? I think I'm just going to go home." And she uh, she said, "No, no, you can you can stay." And then we walked a, a little bit further, and uh, and then we we hugged and said goodbye, and we both felt that that was possibly the last time that uh, that we see each other, and that that was the last time I saw her in Perth. And uh, even though that walk started out with her being kind of cold and, 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 well, not interested in talking, uh, it, it ended up like all these other nights when it was just great to be in her company. And from there, do you know, like, how long was it after that to the point that she moved from Perth? Or, or do you remember hearing about her moving? Uh, no, I, uh, I never heard. Uh, since we didn't have cell phones, we could not text. Uh, she never tried to contact me. I had no way to contact her. I, uh, one night or one day rather, uh, I was riding my bike, uh, in that, uh, residential area where the, the bench where we had kissed was. I just wanted to see how that place looked like in, in the daytime, because like I said, uh, every place seemed like a special place with Emma in the nighttime. But so I went around by bike and then there was her, her father walking a big black dog. So, uh, and, and, uh, I, I asked her, uh, uh, is Hema uh, is Hema gone? And he uh, and he said yes. Uh, she uh, uh, I believe she went out west as as planned or, or something like that. So that was as much as I as I knew. I never wrote to James uh, to her father while in Vic- uh, while in Perth, but I had uh, sent a couple uh, Facebook 
messages to her to her mother because since I knew her father, I knew her brother, her young brother. I had met the dogs. I had been to her house. It would have been nice to to know who she was, since so many people that had tell me, had told me about her. So I I sent her a couple Facebook messages, which I later learned she never she never read until much later after I left her. But basically, I was just uh, asking her to uh, have a little chat and. Uh, I was just curious to to meet her, and I'm I'm sure I could have, I would have been uh, tempted to ask uh, about news of Emma. But since I never met her, uh, I never heard about Emma after last seeing her. I knew she was gone. I didn't know when she was gone, and or where. And the next time I I heard from her was when when I saw her in Victoria. Now, what is it that that led you to move from Perth to Victoria? Why did you choose there? Uh, well, I spent an awful lot of time debating about where I was going. I thought it was it was kind of a neat feeling to finish school and knowing that I could go anywhere on on the map. I had found out uh, while in school I was studying woodworking uh, that I was kind of allergic to to wood dust, which is kind of impractical to kind of inconvenient for a woodworker. And uh, and I had been doing a lot of paddling. I started considering more and more going going west, so I could paddle, so I could paddle year round, and and work outside. And I analyzed statistics of climate and all kind of things in Canada. Bicycle. I I, I don't drive. Uh, I don't drive. I thought that being out west, I could commute by bike year round and not uh, not have to depend on on bus schedules and. And uh, so there were many reasons that led me to go there, but I was mostly I was mostly thinking about Vancouver Island. Uh, but my plan was to go somewhere like Bamfield. I had heard, uh, or some remote corner of the island. I had heard that half of the the town of Bamfield had no car at all, and that and that was very appealing to me. But it took me so long to decide on where to go, and I was kind of in no rush to leave Perth, but I knew that I would leave by. Well, late summer, early fall, and then to go to a place like Bamfield, which is in the middle of nowhere on the coast, might be a bit risky to find to find work. So I started considering Victoria, where I could at least uh, find a job there for the winter, and then hopefully move on in the spring. And I was still debating about about where to go. It could have been Victoria, it could have been Nanaimo, it could have been uh, Campbell River. I didn't I didn't know much about these towns at all, but. I was kind of all considering all the options, and then I found out that this Irish band, which I've been trying to to see for for many years, uh, was coming to Victoria, and uh, and that was it. I had been debating for a while where to go, and 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 I had to make a move, and uh, so I chose I chose Victoria. I figured, well, I'll go to the concert, I'll find a job. I contacted an outdoor an outdoor store. Uh, in town, and they uh, they basically yeah, said as soon as you get to Victoria, uh, stop for an interview, and then the lady uh, who owned the farm while I was working in Perth uh, had a friend who lived in Victoria. He was a doctor in Victoria, and uh, he had been renting room uh, renting rooms apparently in the past, and she gave him a call, and he was still interested in 
in renting me a room. Yeah, so for all these factors, I chose to go to to Victoria. I arrived on uh, August 27th and started working on August 29th or something like that. So it all happened pretty quick. And that was August of 2012? August tw- of 2012, oh, yeah. Okay. And so now with with you in, in Victoria starting work at this uh, the outdoor sporting goods store that you mentioned, at, at this point you had no idea that, that Emma was living in Victoria. Is, is that uh, right? No. Uh, once again, she could have been... She could have been anywhere. But yeah, as far as I knew, she was out west. I mean, to be honest with you, I was hoping I would see Emma again one day. But yeah, that was just a hope I had. Uh, I certainly didn't choose, maybe unconsciously. I mean, she was, she had been, she had told me how nice Vancouver Island was, uh, how nice the weather was. Uh, she had asked me to, to maybe travel west with her. So uh, maybe in the back of my mind, it influenced my my choice to travel west, but it was mostly for personal reason, uh, climate, work, uh, the ability to paddle year round. She could really be anywhere. Uh, but when I that first morning, my first morning in Victoria, when I went and and walked to my well to the store where I was uh, end up working, just around the corner there was this this little uh, store with uh, love, peace, and freedom written on the stairs and some interesting, free-flowing, colorful clothing uh, in the windows. And I and I had this thought that if Emma was in Victoria, this is probably the kind of place she would have, she would have gone to. But, I mean, this, this, this was just a, this was just a thought. I never, I, I never thought that she would be there. Uh, yeah, so I had no way to know where she was, but I did think about her, uh, that day when I saw that, uh, that store and, and a, and a month later, that's the exact spot where I saw her. Yeah. No. So can you tell me, uh, or can you describe this, this first time you ran into her in Victoria? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was Sunday. It was a beautiful October day. It was my lunchtime. I went to a coffee shop where I'd never been before and grabbed a sandwich and on my way back I saw someone who really looked like her and I I had left my glasses at the store so I was kind of leaning over and squinting trying to <laughs> to make sure it was it was really Emma and I and she was doing this she was doing the same thing for some reason we kind of spotted each other from across the street at the same at the same time we kind of stayed there frozen for a second and then I it was me who eventually crossed the the street, and I and I didn't quite know what to say or what to do. We were both shocked, and she uh, she was smiling, so uh, that was good. But I and then she was the first one to to hug me. I kind of I was kind of keeping my distance and 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 saying hi and what are you doing here? But I I didn't want to I didn't want to push it since I didn't quite know. What her reaction would be to uh, to suddenly see me like that, but she was she was super happy to see me. She gave me a hug. She said that she had uh, she kept saying wow and how how strange it was because she had been thinking about me uh, not that long ago. It only lasted about ten minutes because I had to go back to work uh, and I, I didn't ask where she lived. I didn't ask where she worked, uh, but I didn't ask any personal information. She I told her where I was working, which was just, well, 
two doors down, and then uh, she asked me what days uh, that she would stop to see me sometime, and and I asked her if it would be uh, if she would like to stop and 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 meet me at five after after we closed, so we could go for a bite. And uh, she said, I, "I she said I don't know. Uh, you know that I you know that I never plan." uh very far ahead so even though it was even though it was uh maybe one o'clock uh yeah she really didn't know how her afternoon or how her evening would be like but she was super happy to see me smiling uh hugging me twice uh before i left and uh and yeah i mean i was i was on a cloud the surprise was the surprise was was so was so big and uh she looked just the same as she did in in victoria uh in uh, in back in perth it was a beautiful sunny day i've told i've told the police i've told shelly i've told everyone those were the 10 best minutes of my life and even though everything after that became very dark and sad and 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 shocking and uh a nightmare uh I wouldn't trade those 10 minutes for anything. It was it was great. I was on the cloud for about a week after that. Now, when you when you met there, you spoke for a few minutes outside the uh, near your near your work. Uh, you you hadn't officially made any plans. Was it just left with, you know, this is the days I work, this is where I work, come by sometime? Is that how how it ended? Yeah, well, the only the only plan was, well, I work I work until 5 if you want to go for or, uh, to grab something to eat, uh, stop by and see me then, or uh, or otherwise she kind of let it sound like she would uh, she would stop by and and see me in the next well maybe see me in the next few days, and I was actually off the next couple of days. I was kind of looking forward to go back to work on Wednesday uh, because I had told her that I was working Wednesdays to Sundays. I was kind of looking forward to go back to work, hoping she would stop by and it seems like every time someone walked into the store I would I would look uh, hoping that it would her it would be her walking in but uh, but that never happened and uh, I, I didn't ask her where she lived or where she uh, or where she worked because I was I guess knowing myself I I I figured that if I if I did I might be tempted to uh, to stop by her work and and say hi I really wanted her to, uh, unlike in Perth, where I had her her home phone number and I knew where she lived in Victoria, I didn't have a clue. And I, I figured that if she wanted to see me, and she surely sounded like it, uh, she would know where to find me. And that was right downtown. That was that was easy to get to. But then I started thinking about this this concert coming up November first, and I had been waiting to see this this Irish band for so long and I thought this will be an awesome night and it would be even more awesome. It would be perfect if if Hema would come with me. And uh and even though I thought this is probably a bad idea, but I uh I sent a I sent a Facebook message to to her father uh saying I uh yeah, I'm a little bit desperate. I was really hoping to see Emma again, so I could invite her to that concert in three days. Uh, if you are in touch with her at all, you can let her know that I would. Uh, I'd like to invite her. She can just stop by my. Uh, she can just stop 
at work or or, or send me an email. And uh, I never heard back. And we'll, we'll come back to this letter because when he does find it, it's at an inconvenient time. And this letter has led to a lot of the speculation that's that's cast on you. So we'll, we'll come back to that. So now after you... you saw Emma outside uh, or near your work uh, you wanted to invite her to the concert never had the chance uh, to do it in person so you sent the fe- Facebook message to her father which ended up in his other folder until much later into this story so now after after not hearing back from Emma after that first encounter and you probably expecting she was either not interested in reuniting with you or, or something had changed can you now tell me about the second time you ran into her and, and when that happened yeah, it was, uh, I don't know the exact date, but it was not very long after uh, the concert was supposed to be November 1st. And uh, a few days later, I'm walking out of, uh, or I'm at the library, rather. Suddenly, I see this person walk by, uh, just by kind of the corner of my eye, and it kind of looks like Hannah. And I, uh, she walks out, and I, I follow behind and kind of walk a little bit faster so I can, I can step in, step in front of her and have a good look. And I say, well, uh, so it is Emma. So I start, uh, uh, I say hi, and I uh, then I could tell that she was not Emma that night. Was very sad, very dark, uh, or maybe not sad, but looked tired. And that's what she said. I'm very tired. I'm going home. Uh, she didn't want. She, yeah, she, I said, did you recognize me in there? Uh, she said, yeah, you look familiar, which is kind of weird considering that she recognized me the last time from across the street, and now she's a few feet away, and it's like, you look familiar. Uh, anyway, it was, it was, it was not, was not fun. It only lasted maybe two minutes. I, I said the same thing. If you need help with anything, or if you, if you want to see me, uh, you remember why I work, uh, so I left, and she uh, and she left behind behind the library. Uh, I later found out that she was uh, that she had been staying at Sandy Merriman at, at at the shelter at different times, and that's where, well, the shelter is somewhere is somewhere out there behind the library. So uh, that's probably where she was staying at the time. So uh, mid, kind of early to mid November. I never, weirdly enough, even though I would, I went to that library often before and after. I mean, every town, every town I traveled to, the library is the is is a place I often go. And even though I saw her that night there, I never thought of of uh, making a point of going back the, the the next few days because while I think Emma was uh, had her routines, like she would walk and she would go to the coffee shop when in Perth. I could have I could have thought that she would go back to the library more uh, quite often and and made a point of going but I and, and I, I never thought of I never thought about that so that was the last time well that not the last time but that was the the second time uh that I saw her in Victoria and unlike our first meeting that was really nice and 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 all smiles that was I didn't know what was going on, but there was obviously something going on. Okay. And now, so that was the second time you ran into her in Victoria, and this would have been the beginning of, of November, I think you said. Do you recall the rough? Yeah, it was a few days. It was a few days after 
uh, after the uh, about a few days after the concert had been canceled. Okay, and then from from that point, can you now um, lead into the the third and at at this point in time would be the final your final encounter with Emma? Could you tell us about that? Uh, yes, it happened. Uh, well, from what we later found out, or for a while, I was debating whether it was uh, November 27th or November 28th, eventually looking at Facebook pictures where I had been kayaking on the 27th, I had to narrow down that it was the 28th that I took the bus uh, that morning, heading downtown to the uh, uh, government building to bring in my uh, health care form, and, uh, which I hadn't taken care of yet. And while riding, while standing on the bus, even though we were well moving at uh, maybe not a high speed, but the bus was was moving heading downtown, and then I saw this this person on on the sidewalk facing facing the road, who uh, kind of looked like Emma, even though it was even though it didn't quite look like her. Uh, but out of curiosity, I got off the bus a few stops earlier and then walked by her. But since she was she was standing right on the right on the curb, basically, facing the street. So the only way to look at her in the face would have been to stand on the road. So I just walked uh, beside and behind her a couple of times, and I, I, I couldn't tell, but actually I was more sure that it wasn't her because, uh, I mean, her hair, I'd never seen her hair like that. It was like a, it was like a mane. They were, they were very wild, kind of all over the place. Uh, usually her hair were, well, somewhat straight, always long, or her all tucked in in a, in a hat or something like that. But that time it was like a lion's mane. And she had a big, a big jacket on with somewhat puffy with a fur, with a fur hood and all kind of bags, plastic bags, uh, uh, shoulder bags in her hands, on her shoulders. And, uh, and I didn't think it was her, so I walked back to uh, to the government building to hand in my form. And a few minutes later, I stepped out, and the woman was still, I didn't move, uh, was still there on the curb facing the sidewalk, uh, or facing the road, rather. And this time, I, I stepped on the road and looked at her in the face, and it was it was Hema, and uh, who... Uh, she didn't look well. I guess her face looked like her, but everything else about everything else about her looked different. And I, I didn't ask. I don't think I asked, "How are you?" Because it didn't seem like the the appropriate question. It was pretty obvious that she was probably not doing all that great. Uh, I asked, uh, "Do you want to talk?" And she uh, she she just shook her head. She didn't say no or anything. She just shook her head. I I really didn't have a clue what what to do so i just said what what i had said the the last time at the library if you know uh if you if you need help with anything or if you want to talk you know where to find me and i and i walked i walked away but then i stopped at at a bus shelter maybe a uh, 100 meters away and i just leaned on the bus shelter there for a few minutes wondering wondering what to do it uh, she she didn't look well but she also looked like someone uh, who might be waiting to catch a ride with someone? So maybe, so maybe a friend was about to pick her up. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do at all. I considered, 
I considered uh, going back to talk to her again. I I thought about staying there to see what her what her next move would be. Uh, I don't think I I don't think I really thought about calling someone. I was mostly thinking about either staying there and and seeing her next move or or uh, or moving away and and that that's what I did. I I back in Perth and now here in Victoria. I, I I could never tell what she was thinking and to see her in that state and to always. Uh, she would always lead me to have these kind of happy moments and sad moments, and I didn't know since she hadn't stopped by the store, and now to see her in that state, I was kind of it was such a contrast to the to October seven when I saw her, and it was all smile and it was it was awesome, and I I uh, I just decided to walk away and and kind of I I was I was thinking in my head literally I'm done I'm done with you if I if I Next time I, I see you, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop. That's that was my. I'm not sure if I would have managed to do that, but that was my plan that morning. I thought uh, I don't think there's anything I can do for you. I mean, I knew. Yeah, she seemed like the kind of person who would not accept help, and so I thought, yeah, I'm walking away. If she shows up at the store wanting to talk, yeah, for sure I'm gonna talk. But otherwise, I'm never gonna make any effort. Since it was the third time in three months that I was seeing her in Victoria, I figured that I might very well see her again. But I, I kind of made a commitment with myself that uh, the next time I would just walk by or I would certainly not get off a bus to 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 go talk to her, that I was, that I was basically done with her. And, uh, but things turned out to be... Uh, I was all but but done because that was November 28th, and then basically December that year was all about Emma. Mm-hmm. Now, so that again, November 28th, the last day that she is seen, you you run into her that morning. She appears unwell, but not to the point that you felt like there was an emergency that something had to be done. Um, when is it from from there that you first heard of her disappearance? How long after this that that you that word made it to you? Uh, a few days later, uh, early December, I wanted to uh, to move into a new room somewhere closer to town than where I was staying. I had found a few places I wanted to go visit, and then I got an email that morning while still at home from the lady where I used to work in Perth telling me that she woke up to the news on, on, on local radio back in Perth that Hema was missing. I thought it was kind of a weird to be considered missing within five days because, well, I, I thought she was elusive enough that she could go on for much longer than that without giving news to anyone. So I, I didn't quite understand why she would be considered missing uh, since I had seen her only a few days before. And also because while I was just... Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be worrying about it anymore, or I, I basically didn't want to be thinking about Emma at this point. And I already wanted to get my uh, not my life back, but I the first two months in Victoria started out so well, and now November had had been rather dark and and sad. And I was thinking, well, if I find a new place to live uh, closer to town, with maybe p- rent a room and. With people my age, it might be uh, help me get involved a bit more in, in, in that city. 
so I, I, I left town and went, uh, not left town, left home and went visiting a few, a few apartments, but none of them were great. So I, uh, I went back to, uh, to the downtown library to go back to the computer. I don't have, I don't have a laptop, a laptop. I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So my only computer access was either, uh, at home or at the library. That's, that's why I went quite often. And I, and I walked in there and, uh, Shelly says that she, she looked at me and, 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 and got up and, and came to talk to me. I, I don't know if it's that important who saw who first. But the way I remember, and I remember it very clearly, uh, I walked in, and yes, there were a lot of people sitting in front of those computers, but I I saw this woman, and I had been, well, when I sent her that message on, on Facebook a year earlier, I got to see her profile picture, and there was also a picture of her standing with her son uh, at graduation, I guess. So I got to see a couple of pictures of her, but that's all I that's all I knew of her. But I saw this woman there, and I approached her, and I, I said, uh, are you Emma's mom? And she, uh, yeah, she got off that chair very quickly and said, and kind of asked me if I knew anything. Or, And I just said, I, I'm Julian, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a friend of Emma. I knew her from, from Perth. We talked a little bit, and then she said that she was on her way. She was on her way to... Uh, the coffee shop where there was a friend of Hema that was there along with a, one of his friends and they were getting a Facebook page started and that I should go and, and meet them there uh, a little bit later that day. And, well, I went there, met them, and for the next few weeks, well, I was I was part of that the search team, I guess we can call it. I was working full-time, but I, I was... I, I was as involved as as I could be every night every night after after work or during my lunchtime I would stop by the coffee shop which was just which was basically the main place where I used to grab my my lunches it was uh, just a block or just around the corner from my job so very close to the store where I worked and uh, so I would see there all the time that that ended up being their headquarters for the next uh month or so so I would if I didn't see Shelley I would pretty much talked to her almost every day for for updates and that kind of thing. Soon after that, I uh well I kind of I don't know if I got I don't think I got dropped off the team, but I I I I, I dropped myself and lost my motivation when when they started to uh to have their doubts about me. Now, can you talk about, I, I understand that you at, at one point in time were polygraphed by the police and were questioned by the police. Can you talk about how how the tide turned to, to you being considered a person of interest to the point that you were polygraphed? Yeah, well, it, uh, it started out one, one day when I, I walked at the library again and, and, and Shelly just happened to be there. She was... Uh, she was uh, finishing sending some emails. Not long after I sat down, she said, "Look at me in the eye, Julian, and 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 tell me that you didn't follow Emma all the way all the way here to Victoria." She said, "My," she said, "Emma's father just just found out about this uh, about this Facebook message that you you sent him, and I swore that I hadn't followed her to Victoria, but uh, and." And yeah, that was just a hard. That was just a 
a hard moment there because I felt, well, I felt so stupid using the word stalking. I felt not stupid, but I felt hurt because even though I understood uh, what was going on, I had been quite involved and to be to be asked like this, uh, did you follow Hema and all the things that we've said or is that all the, the the thing we talked about was was that true or was that all a lie and that was that was just it was shocking and hurting and even though it it made sense for her to ask me that uh, I knew what the truth was and it was still it was still hard to it was still hard to accept and she uh, after kind of things settled down a little bit she asked me if I wanted to uh, go check a few places and ask them about security cameras that had been uh, if there was any footage that would be available of, of Hema. Because unlike the police, uh, Shelley said that she had all the time in the world to go through that footage and maybe see something. So I went there and I, I did a few hotels and restaurants near the Empress Hotel where Emma was last seen. And But uh, that night I wrote to Shelley to say, well, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I could not. I was, yeah, the... The energy was gone and the motivation was gone. I said, I said, if there's any serious lead and you need, you need someone to to look into it, uh, call me. But I was not going to be, I was not going to be there day to day anymore. Now, when did the police become involved to the point that you were polygraphed? Yeah, well, a few a few weeks later, or maybe even a couple of months later. I think it was in February, so it would be like a month later. Uh, I got a call. I got a call from Victoria Police. And they asked me if I could stop by uh, the police station for a, for an interview, and I, I did. And the interview lasted about at least an hour, an hour, an hour and a half. And uh, we talked about a lot of the things we're talking about now. And obviously, he asked me to uh, explain why I had used the word stalking. I I I don't know exactly why I came up with. With that word, I mean everybody who's listening can can tell that English is not my my mother tongue. I uh, it's not my first language. I I, I misuse the word. I uh, I never stalked her in in any way. And the only reason why I use the word is is that I'm not. I I don't. I I guess the word crush is maybe not quite appropriate, but I. I don't usually uh, make that kind of effort to to keep in touch with anyone, and I just found that I called a few times too many. Uh, even though she was, she would tell me that it was no problem, but I that her father was okay with it. I would call, and then she would be gone for for coffee, or she was having a nap, or she would be in the shower, and I and her father would saw, would say, "Well, call again in ten minutes," and that's what I would. And that's what I would do. I just felt like I called too many times, uh, more often than I was comfortable with. And then bringing that letter or that card to our friend at the coffee shop, even though it's it's very, uh, I mean, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, thinking about it afterward, I was not very comfortable with it. I uh, I wish I had let her come to me more. So anyway, I used the words talking, and when I explained what I just said to the police, they said, well, we have our definition of stalking and you have yours. They don't have anything to do with each other. You, What you're describing here is not stalking by any stretch. And we had a good conversation. All of it was filmed. For a while, 
the guy who had interviewed me uh, left to discuss it, I guess, with someone else. And he finally came back and said, uh, you are free to go. So the, I left, and that was that was pretty much the the end of it for a while. Uh, that was in February 2013. Uh, by by the time November, by the by the time fall in November 13 came around, uh, and uh, and sometime around the second week of November, probably I was at home, and uh, and then two police showed up on my doorstep. Uh, they introduced themselves as being RCMP officers and they said well uh, the case had been passed over from uh, Vic Police to the RCMP and they wanted me to to do a polygraph a lie detector that would, that it would be a very good way to clear my name and finally be left alone if I accepted to do it but that I didn't have to and uh yeah so we uh, we scheduled the polygraph for uh December 5th November 28 went by uh as expected it was a tough uh was a was a very sad day and then and then uh December 5th came around and I showed up at the RCMP station for the for the polygraph that afternoon lasted about lasted about 3 hours probably in total um uh, weirdly enough the uh, the polygraph was not so much about stalking but really about murder they kept they they kept asking me from every possible angle if i had been involved in her murder and 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 things like that it was i i i thought they would be asking me uh, i thought the whole thing would be about stalking and following her and and i but in the end it was was more about whether or not i had murdered her and i those were shocking, abs- very absurd questions to be to be asked. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't, I don't drive. I didn't have a car. All I did around Victoria was ride the bus or ride my bike. I was renting a room in in someone's house, and I was living with them on the same floor and 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 seeing and talking to them every day. I didn't have any friends or not except for co-workers in Victoria at the time. So I, I, there was no way. It just seemed so absurd that there was, I could have pulled something like that. There was, there was no way I could, I could set something up like that. And, and the questions were, were just having murdered her. And, and when I left, I asked the officer, I said, are you going to leave me alone from now on, or there's a chance that you will contact me again? And he said, no. He said, basically, even though it was, even though we focused on only uh, a few questions, it was enough to get us, uh, give us an over, uh, a very clear uh, idea of your, well, whether or not you had been involved in, in hurting Emma in, in, in any way. So that was, that was the end of it. Now, do you, uh, with your relationship with Emma and knowing her as a person, do you have any opinion on what may have happened or do you think there's the possibility that maybe she she went missing on purpose I don't know I um I never wanted to believe in kidnapping because that was too bad a scenario I didn't believe in suicide at first because I didn't think it was possible but after listening to the the fifth estate and hearing her say 
the page in her diary where she mentions that she knows someone will be reading this. And I'm not so much focused on I'm dead, Emma, but more about I know someone will be reading this, and I cannot imagine at any time Emma being okay with people reading her computer or reading her her diaries. To me, that made me think that she was planning on committing suicide because I can't imagine her being in a world where people would know would know that kind of stuff unless she had planned on disappearing very far. Yeah, I really don't know. There's no good scenario. If she's dead, I'm sad that I'll never see her again. And if she's still alive, I I just hope that she's well, that she's in a in a good enough place. Now, for anyone listening to this that had not, had been unaware that you had seen her uh, the morning of the the twenty eighth, the the last day she was she was seen. People are, are going to ask what your activity was during that day and that night. Do you recall what you did that night or, or where you were? All I know is that I was somewhere probably on the bike, somewhere on the bus, or somewhere at home. But uh, I could never say for sure where I was that night. I was probably home because I was working the next day. But I think the facts are clear enough that I was not involved, except that I saw her that last day, and instead of standing there to find out what what wrong was going on, I I walked away, and I didn't help. I walked away. If you're still with me, I want to thank you for giving Julian the time to share his side of the story. If you are like me and went into this after watching his portrayal on CBC's Finding Emma documentary, you probably have some pretty strong feelings about Julian before we started. But for what it's worth, my personal opinion is that in hearing Julian's side of the story, it casts his possible involvement in a much different light. If what Julian says is true, and I have no reason to doubt him, he seems to suffer a similar fate to many other wrongfully accused people. Except, instead of a prison sentence, he simply had a finger pointed at him on a popular documentary that was broadcast across Canada on CBC and around the world on YouTube. Going forward, I personally don't consider Julian among the possible explanations of Emma's whereabouts or her fate, and I've yet to hear a reasonable argument that goes against that. So, I suppose we have to move on from here, with many big questions still remaining. But as far as my personal list of points to consider goes, Julian's name's not on it. Emma's whereabouts and an explanation for her disappearance are still shrouded in mystery. But everything I've heard tells me one thing that is irrefutable. Something unique and seemingly dysfunctional was happening within Emma. As her mother Shelley said back in part one, many of her behaviors could be symptoms of an undiagnosed mental illness. But despite that, many others have different explanations and suspect Emma may have in fact had reasons grounded in reality to fear for her safety and or simply to flee Victoria. And that's what we're going to examine in the upcoming four episodes of this series. We will speak with four close friends of Emma's from four unique parts of her life. 
hopefully by better understanding who Emma is and how her personality evolved throughout her life, we can perhaps better understand the young woman who was found shoeless and barefoot on a busy intersection on November 28, 2012. This sort of intimate character study will start in the next episode of this series as we will meet with Emma's childhood best friend Ellen. She kept um, she kept journals when she was quite young and that was always something that was that was quite private like differing from her coming into my world and coming into my room and sort of everything was fair game. That's something that I never would have done is to go into her room and um, open her art book or open up one of her journals without her even having to say that it was it was really it was really quite clear that there were that there was that was that was a line and that she had had elements of her life that was that was just for her and with that we will conclude this episode of the nighttime series emma Philippoff is missing but now before we wrap things up i'm going to end with some thanks a massive thank you goes to julian for allowing me to help him share his story Julian, I feel Emma's story, like many other missing person cases, has many victims. In this story, I feel you received an unfair shake from many people. You may be a little awkward and a bit eccentric, but I truly believe you have deep, genuine feelings about Emma. My only hope is that this episode helps illuminate the full story. So thank you, Julian. Next, a big thank you goes out to Vox Somnia and Paragon Cause for providing the musical and ambient themes for this series. And lastly, the biggest thanks of all goes out to everyone listening. Without you, the sun surely would have rose on nighttime years ago. For anyone out there who wants more nighttime, please consider supporting my Patreon campaign. For a dollar a month, you can access the ad-free premium feed, which provides early releases of the episodes. And then, for only a couple dollars more, you can access the Nightcap After Show, in which I and the guests climb even further down the rabbit holes than what you'll hear in the main episodes. You can join my Patreon and support the show by visiting patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. With that said, I want to thank the newest members to the Patreon group, Mike Menzel and Matt Hutchinson. Thanks, pals. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help me financially, you can give me a big hand by telling your friends about me and leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or whichever equivalent you use. If anyone listening wants to stay up to date with my activities on and off the show, Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I use the handle at NighttimePod. If you have any story ideas or want to give feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you at NighttimePodcast at gmail.com. Now until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and contact me on social media and give me your theory on Emma Philippoff's disappearance. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright, Jordan Bonaparte. Somebody somewhere knows something. She didn't just disappear. She couldn't just vanish. Somebody has to know something, Jordan. Somebody has to know something.